Welcome to another episode of Harvest Series, a podcast following a four-day experience in Kaplankaya on the southwestern Asian coast of Turkey, filled with fascinating talks and workshops to harvest knowledge and nurture the planet, an event produced by Athena Advisors and Capital Partners. We... Um, Reinventing, reinventing—that's the yeah, word. Reinventing the relationship, okay. uh, taking it to a higher, freer place, a place of more trust. We have, you know, better boundaries. It, we're clearer about what we need, what we want, what we don't want, and so, in that way, we've been able to stay together for. I mean, what's going on? Fifty-five years, which is extraordinary. Because I met him when I was eighteen, and and. Um, We knew back then, and Gabor talks about this a lot, that we had this, he had this sense very early in the game that he looks forward to growing old with me together because we'll be past all of this. We, we knew we had so much growing up to do. I am Rose, a French journalist based in Barcelona, and this episode is an interview made in Caplancaya with Ray Mate. She is an artist, mother of three children, and the wife of one of our beloved speakers at Harvest Series, Dr. Gabor Maté. This interview wasn't planned. Rather, it arose while we were seated together for lunch at a beautiful retreat with Gabor Maté in Caplancaya, hosted by Harvest. Our conversation grew intimate, leading me to ask Ray to join me for this interview. It marks a debut on a podcast, and I'm certain it won't be our last. She humorously mentioned agreeing only because I promised her the final decision on its release. Now, let's delve into discovering who Remati truly is, a woman speaking candidly from her heart about relationships in general, her unique bond with Gabor Mate, and her vision regarding how sharing about their relationship might help others. Why did you try to... to Pass to your children when uh, you raised uh, the three of them. Obviously, I, how much they're loved, how much they're valued. I love sharing my love of music, of nature, of my love of language. I, all, all of the things I loved and all my enthusiasms went into raising my kids. Um, I basically wanted children who were able to love and, and be loved. Now that your children are um, bigger... Which advice would you give to a young mom? Oh, gosh. <laughs> the first three years, the first five years, first 10 years, but especially the first three years, there's nothing more important than the parenting relationship with the child, uh, the attachment relationship, that you have a healthy re attachment. And I would have done it differently. The stresses that were distracting me, really being there to mirror them, And, and to be attuned with them, I would have made sure that I did something about that. I would have put them before, for example, the conflict in my marriage. The conflict, conflict in my marriage was distracting me. Okay. Yeah. So had I had the wisdom and the strength at that time, I would have said, I'm leaving this relationship. I'm focusing on the kids. I'm pretty sure that relationship would have Survived. either corrected itself okay. or it we would have gotten back together but it was hard on my kids the relationship was made it very difficult for me to be there for my kids 
Do you travel with uh, Gabor when he gives conferences? I have been over the past few years a lot. Uh, before that, I had uh, elderly parents in Vancouver. First, my father required a lot of care, then my mother. So it would be hard. I would travel, but there was always a pull and attention about their health and so on. When my mother passed in 2017 and my children were basically launched, they're adults, I was completely free. Apart from having to leave a job that I love, which is uh, in, in Vancouver, which is uh, teaching art to preschoolers and their parents, ages two to five, that was the only thing really that it was hard for me to leave because if I couldn't be there for a certain number of classes, I couldn't teach. So I took the year off last year and I'll probably take the year off next year because we're doing so much traveling and it's, it's wonderful. It's, it's hard to resist this opportunity. And I see like lots of women uh, talking to you. Yes. What do they ask you? Oh my goodness. Women need to understand that putting anyone on a pedestal is not a good idea. And because of how wonderful Gabor is as a, as a teacher and a writer and how much she's loved, people project all kinds of, I guess, all the best in themselves onto us so that, oh, your family, your, ch your children, I'd, I'd love to be a fly on the wall in your kitchen, like when you're, you must have the most wonderful conversations and... Uh, <laughs> He's so wonderful. I could just, his voice just relaxes me. It must be so used. So all of this kind of worship, the, you know, not just to Gabor, but also on me, to me and, and the family. I have to, <laughs> I, it's really important for me to, to be myself and to be real. And it's not helpful for people to think that we've got it all together and they don't because we're all in it. And by sharing honestly our struggles, people immediately feel less alone, and it's really helpful. So I do it for a couple of reasons. It's really difficult for me to, to play a role. I'm just me. I've always spoken directly. I love telling the truth. It's a stress to have to live up to some kind of idea or ideal or to play any game. So that's for me. And for others, I think it's a gift. I actually feel it's of service, um, and Gabor does too. So we're not afraid of looking bad by uh, sharing our craziness um, in the relationship <laughs> or about parenting. We do it because it supports healing. I mean, we're in a healing process, and the people that come to listen are in a healing journey, so it supports that. Are you telling me that the big uh, guru of healing and his <laughs> wife are making mistakes? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a few mistakes. Uh, a few <laughs> mistakes along the line. I mean, Gabor talks about, Gabor, that's part of one of the reasons people love him so much is he's very open, very open about uh, things that he's not proud of. But he does it because it's a way to teach. And he's actually learned it from experience. So, I mean, we've grown through We know what we know because the way out is through. We've, we've gone through this. We haven't run away from it. We haven't left each other. Uh, we just keep, we come to an area, like a, a barrier, and that's an opportunity to see what's blocking the light. And then there's something we haven't seen. So we work through it and we get to a better place. You told me you were uh, thinking you should have threatened or leave him 
and the early years of uh, your children. Yes. Did you ever do that in your relationship later? Uh, we did have a, a separation for about nine months, 20 years ago. It's a really painful time. But when he came back, when I let him come back, uh, because he left me, we, we had to create new rules. In a sense, we've been married many, many times because every time there's a breakdown, it makes me aware of what I don't want, what I need, and vice versa. So re... Reinventing. Reinventing. That's the yeah, word. Wow. Reinventing the relationship. Okay. Uh, taking it to a higher or freer place, a place of more trust. We have better boundaries. We're clearer about what we need, what we want, what we don't want. And so in that way, we've been able to stay together for, I mean, what's going on, 55 years, which is extraordinary because I met him when I was 18. And, and we knew back then, and Gabor talks about this a lot, that we had this, he had this sense very early in the game that he looks forward to growing old with me together because we'll be past all of this. We, we knew we had so much growing up to do. And it's true. I'm much happier, freer. We are both much happier, freer. I mean, year by year. Wouldn't you accept today that uh, you used to accept before, for example? It's really interesting because I'm developing some skills around my own reactivity. Okay. Um, the truth is, I find Gabor really difficult. <laughs> I mean, not always. I'm talking about the fact that he is uh, working so hard in the world. It's a big job, yeah. okay? And he gets depleted. And when he's depleted... He's not taking care of himself, and when he's not taking care of himself, he tends to take it out on me. I, my pattern is always to blame myself. His pattern is always to blame someone else. But I'm learning to deal with my reactivity and not to make a big deal about the fact that I used to take it very, very seriously and put up a big fight. Okay. I used to feel like I had to stand up for all the women in the world because this man is being arrogant and it's a patriarchal thing and he's and he's bossing me around or what whatever yeah like, I don't like the way I yeah. Yeah, I'm not being treated with respect and it, it would escalate to a very big fight because I unconsciously was standing up for my mother you know trying mm. to protect her when I couldn't when I was small but I'm getting better at just saying you know what I'm not feeling safe right now I'm not feeling I'm just going to take some space And I'll see you in an hour or I'll see you tonight at dinner, but not push it because I know it's just the man I love who's just offline. He's just being a jerk. That happens, yeah. right? But I don't have to make it mean. I don't have to take it personally. And I also have to really look at myself because he's triggered by me. If I'm doing any kind of trying to teach him something, trying to control something, trying to, if I'm complaining rather than just asking for what I want, I could do it better. So there's skills, it's, it's communication skills. It's amazing to me that I'm still learning so much and I wouldn't want to be the person I was last month. So you would, um, in case of a big fight or disapproval, you would um, retreat? We had an upset this morning. He just didn't like, 
it, it's so <laughs> it's based on the fact that there's just not much depth at the moment in the relationship because we've hardly had any time to be together, even though we've been on a trip together, Gower's depleted. He's working really, really hard. And he woke up and said, I'm going for breakfast. My first response was, well, what about, like, can you wait for me? I'm not quite ready, you know. Well, I'm hungry. I'm going for breakfast. And I made that mean, like, you know, that's not romantic. That's not considerate. Like, we're together. Um, we hardly see each other. I immediately go into this making him wrong for that. And he got so <laughs> upset. Immediately after, I went to him and said, you know what? I just realized something. We're not really on holiday together. You're working really, really hard. You're going to be on all day, and I've got all this space. Please go for breakfast, and I don't need you to do that at all. And when we do get on holiday, we'll have breakfast together. So I was wrong about that. Uh, so please go and enjoy breakfast. Well, he did, but when he came back, he was still angry. Because I didn't apologize. Okay, you kind of, it was almost an It apology, was almost yeah. an apology, but I didn't own what he felt was my constant uh, criticizing him. Okay. Okay, nice. so I started to speak and he said, no, I don't want to talk about it right now. I just need to have my tea and read my book. So in the past, I would have followed him and tried to make amends. I'm smarter than I was a month ago because when he says, I want space... I don't pursue him. I said, sure. I left, and I haven't seen him since. And I trust that when he's ready, we'll be able to talk about it. But I'm not upset. I'm not going away feeling like, oh, my God, this marriage is impossible. You know, yeah. I have to do something. Clearly, this is him with a story. I don't, where's the friendliness? Like, where's the flexibility? You're triggered. I didn't cause the trigger. I didn't cause the upset. It's your trigger. This kind of stuff. But I don't have to teach him anything, and I don't have to. I don't have to be right, and I miss him when when he withdraws like that. I do. But I've had a wonderful day, and we'll work it out. Like, he'll come back in a different space, and we'll just, it'll be over. Are you trying to um, protect him because he's working a lot? Everybody, when he's on a trip, everybody wants to have, like, a piece of Gabor. Yeah. And yesterday, he came for lunch. He apologized. He said, like, I need to, to be in good shape for tomorrow. I need to, um, to go to my room or to, do, to go swimming or to, I, I, I won't make lunch. And you seem, like, happy. He said, yes, he did it. I'm happy he did it. But I was happy. you didn't ask him to do it. Oh, no, no. And I was surprised he did it. Uh, well, I knew before he went to lunch that he had no energy for conversation, that he had already had a big breakfast, that he... He was tired, and I knew that he was showing up because he, he was expected to, but he was really tired. I didn't know he was going to do that. I was proud of him for taking space. It turned out he didn't go swimming. He went back to the room, and he fell asleep. And he fell asleep, and then when he woke up, he went swimming. So it takes something out of a person to be on the road in one city after the other, one interview after another, one podcast one lecture, one, you know, it, he'd had almost no time in the last two weeks to be on his own and just to, to um, replenish himself. So I understand. You mentioned um, wanting to have a revenge for your mother at some point. So would you make an analogy uh, also between Gabor and your father? Oh, yeah. Um, there's a lot of similarities between Gabor and my father. I believe that we do marry both the best and the worst of 
our par- or at least we're attracted. That's um, Harville Hendricks' theory in, in uh, the Imago therapy, where the idea is that we are only attracted to somebody who offers us both the most lovely things that we adored about our parents and the things that terrified us about our parents, like the worst nightmare. Gabor totally fit the bill for me. <laughs> and in some way, I fit the bill for him because I came along, I saw his light, I saw his dark, I thought, great, I can support the light. I'm just the one to, you know, we're going to deal with the dark. My dad had a dark side. I didn't succeed with my dad, but I will succeed with Gabor. So I came at it with this attitude that I was going to fix him. I was going to heal him. That is a formula for disaster. (laughs) I mean, to a certain degree, he's depended on that and he's appreciated that. Mm -hmm. And to a certain degree, I have helped. I have made a huge difference and he will acknowledge that. But still, it's a codependent way of Mm -hmm. being. And uh, the dark side of that is that I'm going to be critical. I'm going to be controlling. I'm going to be... Judgmental, maybe? Judgmental, yeah. And he feels he doesn't get a break, like he has to be perfect. And what he's looking for is attunement. He's looking for, he wants to be close, and here I am. I've got something else that I have to tell him about that I don't like. That was the dynamic. And we might be working on it forever, but we're deeply in love, So, and life is good. So it's a very alive and rich relationship. So... The struggle I see is kind of, well, I've just grown up through it. I'm such a strong woman today because of what I've learned in this relationship. I don't regret it. I only regret it from the point of view of any, uh, that I could have done it differently with my kids, that I could have been a better mom. We could have been better parents if we weren't at each other, if there wasn't so much conflict when they were small. Which advice would you give to a woman who's going to marry the Love of a Life. I'd suggest the book, Getting the Love You Want by Harville Hendricks, because I think it, it's just a great, it's illuminating, really, because when you're in love, you don't realize that there's a dark side to it, that you're going to be triggered by this person. And it's spiritual work. I would tell them that, I would tell this woman, the man, if I could, that marriage is spiritual work. And I think the reason that, the higher reason that it exists, that it's for, it's for life, it's for better, for worse, is that when it gets really rough, you don't run away at the first upset. You stay and you live and you learn, you grow. So it's through marriage, I think, and through parenting that you really grow and uh, become more authentic, discover who you really are and give up some of the stories and discover some of the trauma that you didn't even know was there that triggers you so much. If the person is not willing, the other one in a wedding, not willing to grow and to dig into his trauma or to heal, what would you advise to do? It has to, both people have to want to grow and, and to be willing to give up being right in order to be authentic, to be real, in order to see the other. There has to be a willingness to communicate respectfully, to get help if it's necessary, to do the work. If one person won't, then basically I wouldn't stay in a relationship like that. That would be... Even with children. 
even with children, because children want happy parents. Children need attuned, present parents who aren't distracted. So even if I was sad, I could be sad leaving a relationship, leaving someone I loved, but I would still be present. It's different than being anxious, depressed, absent, angry, powerless. The kid needs security, attention, and love. Gabor on February the 14th, 1967, at a Leonard Cohen concert on campus, right after the concerts, Valentine's Day, Gabor came up and asked me for a date. So I've got written in my diary, February 14th, love month, Gabor mate asked me for a date. (laughs) (laughs) Were you calling him Gabor at the time? Of course, everybody was. Uh, It wasn't until he went to Montreal for his medical internship Uh, in 1977, that he realized in uh, Quebec, everybody was comfortable with Maté, the accent aigu, and he just decided to go back to being authentic to his own name. So it's Gab. In Hungary, it would be Maté Gabor. Ah, okay. Maté Gabor in in Canada became Gaber Mate. I mean, so he's Gabor Maté. Yeah. And at that point, I changed my name, and it, Ray Mate is a great name for an artist. It's much better than Ray Mate. <laughs> yeah, I agree. <laughs> Ray Mate is like Monet, Matisse. Yeah. Uh, it's a great name. Have you always been like, you speak your truth, like um, I've seen it at lunch and, uh, and now. Have you always been like this or did you learn? I've always been like this except when I was terrified at school, when I was afraid of teachers. I was a very good girl. I'd have stomach aches. I'd have anxiety around school, and but at home, there was a freedom. My parents actually didn't really play roles. They were pretty, what can I say? They were unconventional, and they were pretty much themselves, and they had a lot of vivacity, a lot of enthusiasm. They didn't hold too much back. So at home, I was known as, uh, <laughs> I was always standing up to my dad. I mean, I put him on a pedestal. I loved him. He was like, he was like a Peter Pan. He was funny. He was compassionate. He loved music. It's very much like someone else I know. Social conscience. Uh, but he ha- he'd fly into rages and, um, you know, he was narcissistic and, and immature. And he was very emotionally abusive at times to my mom and to, the, to us. My heart would be broken at times by my dad. But, you know, I had my hands on my fists on my, my waist, I, I, you know, I was self-righteous. Like I would, I would fight and I was confident, comfortable enough to do that. I wouldn't be punished for doing that. I might be called names, you know, like Ray Rat or something like that, <laughs> but, um, and teased or criticized, but I wouldn't be punished. So in that sense, I felt I had freedom. And I also felt that I was, I knew more than them. And I was kind of responsible for keeping the family sane. So I did a lot of caretaking of my parents. I had a lot of, felt a lot of emotional responsibility to prevent bad things from happening and to make good things happen, which is what I brought into my marriage, which is what I have to let go of because it doesn't work. What is the quality in you that uh, Gabor likes the most, you think? After our first date, 
And it was an incredible date because he took acid and showed up at my door and acted normal and drove the car and was extremely funny. And I didn't even know. And he did it because he wasn't, he didn't have the confidence because I was extremely bubbly and... Okay, he was impressed. He was really, he was really excited, but he didn't socially, like he just wasn't sure he'd be, you know, interesting enough. I was so angry when I found out. After our first date, he sent me a note and he said, and we still have it. He said, Ray, you wise and alive human being. So it's been that, you know, the song Hard-Headed Woman, Cat Stevens? You know, I'm his hard-headed woman. And he wants a hard-headed woman. I mean, he sometimes doesn't. <laughs> he sometimes <laughs> wish. He sometimes wish that I, you know, that I wasn't, and it would make his life easier. And uh, but ultimately, it's it's the glue. What like it's it's, it's yeah. very yeah, because he loves the truth, mm-hmm. and and he would rather give up his illusions and be disillusioned about something than to be illusioned yeah he talks about that a lot and what's a quality you like the most in him oh my god one he's a he's just a wonderful he, he's so big-hearted he cares so much about uh, that people should be free and that people should be free from from the past and and healthy you know and uh he's got an incredibly he's got a wonderful sense of humor it makes me laugh we love to dance Um, we have very similar tastes in art and music. It's rare that we sh- would go to a film and have different reactions to it. Okay. We've, we both we will both probably hate it or love it. He has a lot of integrity. We really, when we dance, we play, and it's embarrassed our children forever. But you know, we we just have so much fun. Sometimes I feel like uh, Gabor is seen uh, almost like a a god who's starting a new religion of the 21st century. Do you have this feeling also? And is it why, in a way, you and him are okay to demystify your uh, relationship? Uh, he's, his star is, it, look, being a celebrity is really new. I mean, it, it's been on the rise for a long time. He, he's quite well known for some years now, but over the last five years, maybe, there's this a real difference. It's yeah. an exponential change so that we can't go anywhere in the world without him being stopped in the street or in airports or from baggage clerks. Or It's challenging because we're in the limelight. The ego is inflated. He's constantly having to work on that. I kind of miss the days where we could just go for a walk. And <laughs> But are you okay at this stage of your life to go a bit more on the spotlight? Yeah, I'm actually getting more comfortable. This is my first podcast. Yay. Because I have a fear of great. talking into microphones or being asked questions. If I'm in an informal setting or if I'm at one of Gabor's workshops and I feel something in the room and I'm moved to speak to it because I I think I can actually address what particularly this woman is or this man is feeling and Gabor's not doing that quite at the moment. I'll put my hand up. Gabor will give me the mic. I'll stand up. I, no nerves at all. Okay. I'll just speak my truth. I'll just and and people have been very um, grateful for that. Like I've gotten a lot of really good feedback for that. So I've come to trust that when I have a strong feeling that I have something 
to contribute that would be helpful. I don't second guess myself. I just put my hand up. This is um, the last question of the interview. It's called The Harvest of the Day. It's about hope. Yes. So I'm asking to all the guests, if there is one thing that gives you hope, what is it? I have a real deep faith that life loves life, that life just loves itself. And that's in every human being, and I see it in every human being. So life just wants to continue. And I, I feel inside all of us is, is this absolute clarity that was never touched or damaged. We were born with it. it we don't lose it. Um, I know that myself, for me, I've seen it. I see it everywhere. I see it in others. So my hope is that with the growing uh, intelligent and open conversation about trauma, about healing, about mental illness, about addiction, that people will get past their shame and plug into their life vitality, the, 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 the life in them that wants to grow and be and shine. I see that in everyone I, I meet. So I am very hopeful that way. I'm not hopeful politically or <laughs> like when I look at the world, I can't really do much in, in that sphere. But on the human level, I have a tremendous faith in human beings. Ray Mette, thank you so much for giving your first interview for a podcast. I think you did amazingly well <laughs> and uh, for sharing uh, your view and your life with no filters. <laughs> yeah, no filters. No yeah. filters and yeah. uh, appreciate it. And I think people appreciate it. Thank you so much. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. Thank you, Ray. Thank you. Thank you for joining us for this episode where artist Ray Maté shared her profound perspectives on relationships with remarkable transparency and truth-seeking. If you found this conversation enriching, we'd greatly appreciate your positive reviews and do follow us on Instagram at Harvest Series. Also, catch our podcast on youtube.com slash Harvest Series for more engaging content. Our next episode is an eagerly anticipated one with none other than Dr. Gabor Maté himself. Recorded immediately after Ray Maté's interview in Kaplankaya, Dr. Gabor Maté will delve into his compassion inquiry method. Get ready for another enlightening session. Until then, stay tuned and stay inspired. <laughs>